Welcome to Season 8, Episode 2 of Digital Learning Radio. I'm Catherine, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Laura. For this season of our podcast, we are focusing on transcending the triage of our remote learning lives as we discuss where we are and where we're going to transform our pedagogy and practices. Today's episode will continue our conversation about design, this time through the lens of students. So Laura, kick us off with today's discussion. Absolutely. So first, though, to recap last week's episode, we discussed the idea of design through the lens of educators. We talked about our own preferences for learning and focused our conversation on Gail Allen's four elements of powerful learning design. We talked about time, place, medium, and socialness. We also had some discussion about how these manifest in the time of triage emergency remote learning, as well as possible shifts and transformation in our thinking about design, not only in the weeks to come, but in summer learning, as well as starting a new school year and semester. If you missed it, go back and listen to it. It was a really fun discussion. (laughs) It was. Okay, so to jump in for today, I want to share a quote from Pillars that both resonated with me and also I think will be a good focus for our discussion. Is your quote the whole book? Because (laughs) I am still prepared to read the whole book out loud. Well, it could be. I completely agree, Laura. Yes, it could (laughs) be the whole book. Hey, we don't know how long we're going to be sheltered in place. Like, uh, we might, we that might be season nine, just right. reading this book. It'll, okay. it'll be a weird time. Okay, I, I can do that. <laughs> so the, the quote um, is, are we designing learning experiences for ourselves in order to gain the skills we need to create this new landscape for learning? Uh, Yeah, so that's a great quote to pull out. When I was rereading this book in the times of shelter in place, this is like an eerie prediction of today. So this is written in 2014, right? Um, I think 16. 16, 2016. Uh-huh. So uh, yeah, I, I think the resounding answer is yes. We uh, are forced to be designing learning experiences for ourselves uh, and the, to gain new skills in the new landscape for learning. Come on, Gail, this is perfect. <laughs> uh, and this is why I want to read the whole book. Right. But yeah, that's, that's where we are. So let's think about that in relation to what we shared in episode two about our favorite learning experiences. Um, Laura had her favorite thing from the ESC where you just explored and experienced the um, tools and shared out with a group. Mine was an asynchronous online six weeks class. And so we understand our learning preferences now and so I know to seek out more of those experiences and that's what we want to do for educators for ourselves when we're designing these types of learning experiences for our own learning. I think also Laura mentioned in our last episode that the webinar life is not the choice for a lot of us and so we may not have those options for emergency remote teaching but 
we will get past this, I know. So in the future, maybe even this summer, how can we seek out more of those things that match our own learning preferences? Yeah, absolutely. And um, that phrase emergency remote teaching or emergency remote learning keeps coming up. And that's that's exactly what it is. We're joking about the webinars because we spend many hours of our days facilitating webinars and everyone's doing the best they can to get that learning out there. But being mindful of our own preferences makes me seek out different types of learning. And so that's kind of exciting to think about for the future, how to seek out the learning that works best for us. So the key phrase from this book that I have loved, and I am sure the Pillars book was the first time I heard it, was this idea of owning your own learning. So when you understand your learning preferences, you're able to seek out those experiences that match your preferences, and so you are able to own your learning. I don't know about you, but being in our pandemic times, I feel like has been a real catalyst for change, of course, in the way that we're getting and seeking that learning, but for me has made me really reflective because I don't have the option to, hey, pull up a group of people to figure out something together all gathered around a table. And so I'm really aware of what works for me and what doesn't work for me with our, our limited options. And so when we're thinking about the design of experience and our preference as educators, since we're thinking about students today, let's shift our conversation to really think about what is it that we can do with our design as the educators to get out of the way and allow our students to be the best learners that they can be. You know, we have all developed these skills during this remote emergency instruction time. And so our students are knowing what works for them and what does not work for them and their preferences in learning. What can we do with those skills that we all have right now to design the best learning experiences for everyone? I heard on a another podcast, I'm sure, this idea <laughs> about student agency. And I think that that is the key when you are talking about owning your own learning as an educator, as a student, is having that type of agency. Thinking about your favorite experiences, the things that are actually the silver linings in this remote learning, and then how can we take those and move forward. I'm imagining a scenario and thinking positively going back face-to-face -face in August. So what would I take from this remote learning experience and create in my classroom in August? Well, suppose I'm in a district that they are determined to get back on the curriculum and get back to pretty standard schedule, scope and sequence, following the TEAKS resource system, <laughs> pacing guides, all of those things. But what am I doing to transform my learning based on what we've experienced before? A couple of ideas that I thought of, first of all, having some kind of container for my work. So perhaps I started using Google Classroom during this emergency remote teaching. I want to continue Google Classroom from the beginning. And then I'm also thinking about the students with providing some choices. You can either watch this video or look at this website to get the content that's required for today's lesson or this week's lesson. 
Um, another thing I'm thinking is perhaps I'm posting it all at the beginning of the week and the students can work through that at their own pace. And then another thing might be that I am more readily available for face-to-face -face or more synchronous learning. And so if the students are struggling, they could, you know, and um, secondary, we would say workshop, but maybe elementary, it would be pull small groups and the students who wanted some additional help, they could do that. And then thinking about students who decided, you know, I like to just plug in and work independently, put their headphones in, watch a video, and then work by themselves, you know, at a desk in the corner. So how do those meet these ideas about design for students? First of all, I would love to be a student in your class. Knowing that you have a math background, though, I would probably be that person who would be uh, workshopping with you face to face <laughs> and needing some help. If we're a different subject, perhaps I'd be the kid in the corner with her headphones. But um, so there are two things that really, really stuck out w to me with your imagining, and, and that's that uh, idea of continuity and kind of taking the containers that we have had in this remote emergency time and carrying them on to the fall, as well as that word agency that you started with. So when I think about that first piece of time, we have had this just unprecedented ability right now to have fluid time. And we as educators, I think, have gotten into a groove with it. I know that students are, and that agency is huge. The ability, like you said, maybe posting all of your assignments at the beginning of the week and having students who are now accustomed to parsing out their time in a way that works for them, the time of day, their learning style, etc. I think that is such a powerful thing that could carry over to this transformed fall so that we do have the ability to spend the amount of time and when in the day type of time to work on our assignments. That excites me and would excite me as a student for sure. Well, and so thinking about that, Laura, we also would hope that this idea of trust would be very mm -hmm. apparent. If mm -hmm. you post everything at the beginning of the week, you have this flexible time idea. So in my class, you could all be working on different things and you have the resources there to talk to me, talk to a co another student, look through the other resources. So that, that whole trust factor is there. For sure. I love that. So thinking about trust and thinking about the second component of design place, you know, we have I talk about all the time how much time I'm spending on my sunny patio. We have grown accustomed in our remote time to have more agency to choose that place where that learning is happening. And your imagining really aligns pretty nicely with that. Maybe that place is Laura in your math class posted right up next to you. Or maybe it is working in a group, um, maybe on a different side of the classroom, or depending on the structure of your school, working in the hallway or going to the library or kind of being more flexible with that place might be something to carry over. Again, just thinking about our preferences for learning. We've had the unique, unique ability to kind of figure out that place as students in a way that I know where I work well as an adult because I've had some option and choice, our students maybe for the first time have had some option in place. And so how can we carry that over to foster that good learning preference?
Well, and I've thought about this for years. Some of the students are like, can I sit on the floor? And, you know, like, mm -hmm. uh, I, I wouldn't want to be on the floor, but go ahead. Or can I sit in this chair over here? And, you know, even just that choice of, you know, where you're seated. Do you work in, with the computer in your lap? Do you want a desk? All of those pieces as well. Oh, okay. yeah. Good point. Okay. So keep going. What about medium? What do you think? Uh, I mean, medium, we can talk about medium forever. You mentioned that continuity of, okay, I used a lot of Google Classroom. I linked playlists to videos. Maybe those videos are outside videos. Maybe they are the screencasts that I made during the remote times. Or now that I'm used to screencasts, I'll just do a quick screencast for you. That's really where that choice comes into play that kind of informs that time. How much time are you spending on each piece or when in the day are you working on these things? I think that medium is really what drives and almost dictates the ability to have those choices. And so I know now we have we have to give multiple options because we are not there as that 50-minute friend dispensing information. But now that we have kind of uncovered additional ways and mediums of learning, I think carrying that into the fall is really great, especially when we're thinking about agency and giving students the ability to choose and choose something that aligns well to their style of learning. Well, okay, so you... I'm going to take the last part you said, their style of learning, and mm -hmm. I want to even extend that further. Video is not my preference, and so I need to think that video may not be everyone's preference. What are some other options? Can it be just a, you know, here is one example worked out fully with the steps annotated. I'm thinking math, and so, you know, what are some other things not just my preference, but realizing all the students have different preferences there. Mm, for sure. Okay, last one, Laura. You're on a roll, so keep going with socialness. What do you think? Okay, socialness. Well, you guys remember that last week my learning design was very social. My favorite learning experience was in a group. And so I think all of these kind of flow really nicely together. That socialness factor, when we are, fingers crossed, face-to-face -face, in a more social environment, having those options and choices, those mediums to inform the level of socialness. Do I have the option to work in a small group? Am I still getting used to being around people and I need to work solo? Um, am I working one-on-one -on -one with that teacher or in a little face-to-face -face side workshop? So I think that will be kind of like an obvious option that comes into play. However, I have one more idea, thinking about the online aspect of socialness that we have uncovered or we're spending more time in right now. And here's what I mean. Um, if we're hanging out in Google Classroom, for example, and I'm a student who is just really thriving with those private messages, that ability to contact my teacher, to ask this question without having to raise my hand in front of the whole group, that is like a really treasured thing that is happening right now. And so as a teacher, I'm thinking, how can I keep that going for my students who are really thriving with that online aspect of socialness. 
Well, I think that that there's a lot to be said, and we mentioned the introvert extrovert piece about mm-hmm. that last episode as well. And I know that the students I've had students who would never raise their hand in class, but they would email me, or if you're using those online platforms where you can message like Google Classroom, I mean, what a great opportunity to build those relationships and provide feedback. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Thinking back to the teacher side for a second, as we are designing or redesigning these learning experiences for our students, thinking about how to work smarter with our time as well, so that I'm not having to wait until after school or digging into my personal lifetime to respond to those messages. How am I structuring my, again, secondary brain 50 minute chunk of time to not only go around in person and check on people, but also spend a designated amount of time going around documents, if you will, to pop in and and check on my people. I know that we both have had discussions about our previous lives in the classroom and the just unique ability to be able to pop into a student's Google Doc and have them ask you a question right there that um, maybe they wouldn't um, ask in real life. Right. Well, and then the other thing that I want to point out is that, and Gail says this so many times in the book, that these new pillars are not taking away the importance of educators. So if you think about my imaginary scenario, it takes a lot of thought and content knowledge to design this experience for the week. And my time is being spent beforehand rather than dispensing information, standing up in front, being sage on the stage kind of thing. And instead, I'm designing this experience to meet my students' preferences and then give these other opportunities for them to learn what methods that best suit them. Oh, that's such a good point. And uh, again, we have kind of been forced to be thinking that way since we're all teaching from our respective homes. Our time is different, and a lot of that time is that front-loaded designing these experiences that are then pushed out virtually or printed and sent home. And so, yeah, taking that thinking and bringing it back to the classroom, I think that's a really good point to remember. Mm-hmm. Okay, so one other point that we would love to um, draw your attention to from Gail's book is the idea about the future of work. How does this relate to what will happen, not just this future year or our 2021 year, but the future in that way? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to just go back to that that word agency. I think that's so helpful that that's being developed in our students. That's such a powerful attribute to have. And so as we're giving our students more agency, I know that um, that will be helpful in the future. So when we think about the long-term future and the future of work and the skills that our students need, how we'll design lessons to align there, Let's think a little bit more honed in though. So we've discussed some transformative ideas for the student design of their learning or thinking about whenever we go back or what next semester might look like. But what about right now? What about kind of a honed in takeaway for now and our reality that we're still doing our remote learning for the next month or so? 
for me, that honed in takeaway really would be to think about what I'm doing, think about the experiences and learning design that I am creating now and making sure that I'm giving intentional opportunities for students to discover and uncover their own learning preferences. And so I can do that by embedding opportunities with choice so that students can kind of discover and develop their own learning preferences um, based on the design of the lessons that I'm putting out. Well, and so that makes me think that perhaps if you are doing some kind of weekly check-in or daily check-in, you could possibly ask the students what parts of the remote learning are really working for you or ask them for feedback do you like the videos that I'm creating? Or do you like this platform that we're using classroom for messaging? Those sorts of questions that help the students uncover. I like the that you keep using that, <laughs> that Laura. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Uncover these ideas and be very intentional about helping guide the students to understand their learning preferences so they can help design their own experiences in the future. That's such a good point and something good to remember because I am an adult and I am very reflective. And so I am taking all of these experiences and going, Ooh, I really like this. I need to do more of this. Ooh, this is not working for me. I will do less of this. Uh, I think you're right to remember that perhaps our students are less metacognitive cognitive in thinking <laughs> or naturally reflective. And so pulling that out of them for data for you to ensure that you're giving good choice and a variety, but really so that they are, I'm going to use the word uncover again, they are uncovering uh, their own learning preference and what works for them. Amazing point. Yes. Okay. So something that we can try next week and then also help plan for whatever the August <laughs> world will look like. <laughs> Whatever the August world will look like, indeed. I love it. Well, it's been a great conversation, Catherine, and thanks to everyone for spending time with us today. Remember to take care of yourselves, take care of your families, take care of your students, and know that we will transcend this time of triage and emerge transformed. If you want to continue the conversations, or if you have additional questions or feedback, find us on Twitter at, at DigLearnRadio. Radio.